It's Monday, November 26, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book of Acts, and we will be looking specifically at Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through Acts chapter 5, verse 11. And today, we are going to see Luke use the true historical acts of the early church to compare genuine and authentic faith to superficial and selfish faith. And so let's look at the passage here starting in Acts chapter 4 with verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me, rather you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. So in this passage, beloved, we see genuine faith and belief is radical and causes a true reorientation of the lives of those who come to saving faith through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see that authentic belief in Jesus leads to two things. First, a heart that is loosened to the ownership of possessions. When people come face to face with the awe-inspiring and powerful gospel of the Lord Jesus, possessions lose their grip. People who've been living for this world and this kingdom sold their possessions in order to invest not in the earthly kingdom, but in a true eternal kingdom. Paul, Paul speaks to Timothy about this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. He says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. 
We also see that the parable of the treasures in Matthew 13, 44, when it says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. And then we were reminded of what Luke reported from Jesus in Luke's gospel, uh, chapter 12, verse 32 through 34. When Jesus says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old and with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we see that authentic belief in Jesus leads to a heart that is loosened to the ownership of possessions, but then secondly, a heart that embraces relationship to God's people, right? Authentic belief brings a heart that embraces relationships to God's people. When you become united to Jesus by faith, you become united to his people in love, right? Jesus came to unite his people in the gospel so that they could in turn go out on mission together. We see this picture from Psalm 133 when it says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For, where, for there the Lord has commanded the blessings, life forevermore. This was also prayed for by Jesus in John 17 when he prays to the Father shortly before the crucifixion. John 17, 20-23, he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be all one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. In this passage, we meet Barnabas, who is an example of authentic faith. And we meet Ananias and Sarah, Sapphira, who have faked belief in order to garner attention. Barnabas was a Levite from a priestly family. He was undoubtedly taught the law. Being a Levite, he would have been very fortunate to have owned land since most Levites did not own land. But when Joseph Barnabas comes face to face with the gospel, the Holy Spirit rearranges his life and his priorities. Barnabas now has freedom from his possessions and a heart for God's people as well as for the poor and needy. He sells literally everything he would have had and lays it at the feet of his Savior. And then we see Ananias and Sapphira who give us a stark and scary reality of phony faith. They had not been changed on the inside by the glorious gospel of Christ, but wanted acknowledgement and visibility by the church. We see others who are enemies of the early church in the book of Acts, but only Ananias and Sapphira lose their lives in such a drastic and immediate way. And beloved, I believe this is because God wants to show this as a warning that phony faith does not save. False faith will not save you. Walking an aisle and, and just praying a prayer without change by the gospel leads not to life, but to death. God wants us to fear hypocrisy and treating the Holy Spirit with contempt. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew's gospel about treating the Holy Spirit with contempt. 
Matthew 12, verses 30 through 32. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. And so, beloved, in this passage, we see four contrasts between Barnabas with genuine faith and Ananias and Sapphira with phony faith in our passage. First, phony faith is controlled by money and possessions, while genuine faith has the freedom to let go of all things. Ananias and Sapphira couldn't bear the thought of giving away everything and allowing the Lord to control all things. In verse 2, it tells us that they held some back. They held some back of the proceeds for themselves. Remember, they are punished not for their struggle with possessions, but for lying. Money and possessions were such an idol that it led them both to give a false report. And we see that these chapter breaks between chapter 4 and chapter 5 are simply there for us as, as English readers to be able to flow and to be able to mark different passages. But this story is, is one in the same. This historical count is one in the same, right? We see in verse 32 that a full number of people who believe were of one heart and one soul and, and said to one another that, that, that they had all things that belonged to them, but they had everything in common. And, and Ananias and Sapphira are get caught up in this right after we see that, that Barnabas sells this field and gives it lays it at the apostles feet it says in verse 1 of chapter 5 but a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and with his wife knowledge he kept some back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles feet you see beloved they could have easily told the apostles and could have told Christ and could have told the Holy Spirit hey we're gonna sell this field and we plan to give 50% we plan to give 75% we plan to give 20% it wasn't that they didn't give the whole thing it's that they wanted to see the applause of man. They were so controlled by money and possessions. They wanted to be seen as someone who was giving it all, but in turn, they had to hold on to some of it because they didn't trust the Lord to take care of them. On the, on the opposite side of the spectrum, Barnabas, he didn't dream about the comforts and pleasures he was giving up. He didn't give it a second thought. He was mesmerized by the Savior. He knew that Jesus could take care of him. He knew that his God would supply every single one of his needs. Oh, beloved, phony faith is controlled by money and possessions, while genuine faith has the freedom to let go of all things. But the next contrast between genuine and phony faith is that phony faith lives for the applause of men, while genuine faith lives for the applause of God. Ananias and Sapphira wanted to look more generous than they really were. They wanted to get the same religious approval from the apostles that Barnabas did. They loved money and the praise of men. Luke 16, verses 14 through 15, uh, Jesus says this. He says, The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him being Jesus. And Jesus said to them, You are those who justify yourself before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Ananias and Sapphira were trying to justify themselves before men. They were looking for the applause of men. Oh, but Barnabas, he was not looking for the applause of men. He had a genuine faith. He lived only for the applause and the approval of God. Oh, Barnabas wanted to, to know God and to go for the applause of God. He gave it all as a sacrifice to the Lord. Oh, phony faith lives for the applause of men, while genuine faith lives for the applause of God. But that leads us to the third contrast between genuine and phony faith. Phony faith is built on a lie, while genuine faith is built on truth. 
Look again at Acts chapter 5, verses 3 through 4. It says this, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to man, but to God. We even see that what, from what Peter is saying, that Ananias and Sapphira had the opportunity even after they sold it to say, hey, we're going to give 50%. But instead, they chose to lie, and not lie to men, but to lie to God. This is, reminds us of what Paul says in Romans chapter 1 in relation to carnal man. Romans 1 verses 23 to 24, Paul says, Therefore God gave them, man, up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they, carnal man, exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Oh, beloved, Ananias and Sapphira built their faith on a lie. They wanted to, to be seen. They wanted to be known. And they felt like they, that was their faith was built on being known and being seen. And their faith ultimately was built on a lie. Oh, but Barnabas, his faith was built on true conviction and marked by truth and integrity. And we see throughout the book of Acts that, that Barnabas continues to live out this truth, live out this integrity. He is the, the man that, that, that goes before the Apostle Paul to the, the elders and to the apostles in Jerusalem to make a, a notice, to, to give a testimony on behalf of Paul. This is Barnabas who, when, when the, the people of Antioch believe that he is a god and starts to sacrifice to Barnabas, that Barnabas rips his clothes and is heartbroken that the people of Antioch would put their hope in man and not in God. And he tells them that, that God is the one that they need to put their faith in. Oh, beloved, true and genuine faith is built on truth, while phony faith is built on a lie. But lastly, the last contrast we see between genuine and phony faith is this. Phony faith is hypocrisy, while genuine faith is powerful before God. Ananias and Sapphira discredited the Holy Spirit. They lied to man and, most importantly, God, and they tempted the Lord. They were whitewashing the outside of the cup while the inside became and remained unchanged. They were living by the law, but not out of the gospel of hope. Barnabas, however, he knew that his every thought and deed was open and laid bare before the Spirit of truth. He knew and trusted in the power of God. This act of gospel surrender in Acts chapter 4 led Barnabas to powerful, powerful witness throughout the book of Acts. You see, beloved, when our faith is not based on hypocrisy, but is genuine, then we receive the power of God to be his witnesses to all people. The power of God rests in us so that our faith and that our belief and that our following of God would be a powerful, powerful witness to the world. Oh, phony faith discredits the Holy Spirit. I love what John Piper says about the Holy Spirit. He says this, The Holy Spirit is discredited in the church today. Some people come to worship and operate totally on the human level, never even reckoning with the living presence of God. Some come and give theoretical assent to his presence, but don't really come to terms with the awesome fact that he hears every thought in their mind and sees every imagination of their heart. <laughs> and others come and convince themselves that the thoughts of the heart are not serious enough to forsake because grace always means tolerance. 
Oh, beloved, we cannot discredit the Holy Spirit, but we must be changed by the Holy Spirit. I des our desires, our actions, and our ministry need the outworking of the Holy Spirit so that they will have power to see others transformed by Christ and not by us. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit in our witness is always accompanied by the purity of the Holy Spirit in our worship. The reality of God's character compels us to risk everything for God's cause, for God's mission, and for God's purpose. So this week, we are praying for the country of Colombia. We are praying that the church will be strengthened and the true gospel will spread to Colombia. We're praying for the local church to become more aware of the orphan crisis and, and to continue to disciple uh, orphans and vulnerable children. We're praying specifically for our church partners in Colombia, for Renasar Iglesia Baptiste, for Vida Bogota, for La Libertad, and for Vida Nuevo. We're praying that the Lord would bring redemption and truth to those living in Colombia. Colombia is working hard to progress and combat from past histories with drugs and prostitution and sexual promiscuity, corruption and violence. And we're praying the Lord would bring truth and peace to those who call Colombia home. We're praying for God to give grace, provision, and peace to those in the midst of the adoption process. We have many families in process pursuing older children, host children, children with medical needs and larger sibling groups. We're praying that the Lord will guide them and give them endurance. We're praying for one of our families who have been patiently waiting for a match with a boy uh, named Johan and that they have been through a lot and we're anxious to hear good news for them hopefully very soon. We're praying for our post-adoptive families that many are home walking through challenges of parenting children who have faced a lot of trauma. Pray for wisdom, endurance, and encouragement for all of them. And we're praying that God would give more missional families uh, and provide more missional families that would be flexible and understanding with the process and the complex needs of the children of Columbia. I'm praying for the Lord to prepare children being pursued by our families now, that their hearts would be prepared and at peace with all the upcoming transitions. We're praying that the Lord would grant us the opportunity to advocate for more waiting children, have more opportunities to advocate for better policies to benefit them in the long run. And we're praying for our upcoming hosting program, where we'll have 21 children coming to the U.S. in December. We pray that all the children will come to know Jesus as their eternal Father and Savior. And we are praying for continued growth in our caregiver education in Columbia, that the Lord would continue to open doors to local churches who want to invest in and be a part of orphan care ministry. We're praying for the foster parents that have gone through the trainings this year, that they would continue to pull from the things that they have learned and would feel encouraged and empowered. We're praying for the medical mission trip that's happening this week, that the Lord would be glorified and the glory would be honored. We're praying for wisdom for the unadopted team and the Latin American team as they work together to plan for future trainings and team trips in Colombia. We're praying for our in-country team for Soraya and Julieth and Joanna, and wisdom for Soraya as she leads and works on challenging cases and builds relationships with the government and balances a big caseload. We're praying for our in-country team as it's growing and expanding. We're praying for ICBF, the Central Authority in Colombia. We're praying for the new director and leadership. And for those working at the Central Authority, we'll come to know Jesus. And uh, for grace and efficiency as they review our families, that, that they will work in the best interest of children and creatively find solutions for many political issues that hurts the adoption process. We're praying for private homes that we work with, for our relationships with those homes to grow, and for these directors and these workers. And we're praying for our team, for, for Beth, for Meredith, for Farah, for Josh, for Oscar, and for our unadopted team. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for the gospel to go forth in Colombia to spread 
and for the church to be awakened in the orphan crisis and to continue to disciple vulnerable children and their families. We're praying specifically for our church partners, Renesar, Iglesia Baptiste, and for Vida Bogota, and La Libertad, and Vida Nuevo. And we're praying that the Lord would give them, that you would give them wisdom and boldness and direction and, and vision as they go forward. Lord, we're praying for all those families who are in the adoption process, that you would give them great grace and great hope and great wisdom as they go forward. Lord, that you would use their process to, to, to prepare them for the children that they will be adopting. And for these children, we do pray that you would prepare them. Many who have walked through challenges and fate, walked through trauma, would you give them endurance? Would you give them uh, soft hearts as they get ready to come? home to forever families. Would you provide more missional families for the children of Columbia, especially through our upcoming hosting program where we have 21 children coming in the next several weeks to the U.S. to be hosted. We pray that these children will come to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And we're praying for the team that's in Columbia now and this uh, uh, for this medical mission trip, that you would use them and give them opportunities to show your gospel and your grace. And Lord, we're thankful for our partnership with ICBF and the Central Authority and pray that you would continue to strengthen our relationships with the new directors and the new leadership there. And that leadership would be blessed as they seek to serve the children throughout Columbia. And we pray for Fauna and for La Casa and these private homes that we have relationships with, that you would strengthen them, provide for them, and use them in the lives of vulnerable children and orphans. Lord, we ask all these things in your precious name for the country of Columbia and for our brothers and sisters in the church in Columbia. In your name, we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, would you allow God to use the gospel for you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.